I've just walked into a Portland institution, Salt and Straw. It smells of waffle cone, there's beautiful displays of chocolate and jams and caramel sauces, and there's an enormous menu of different ice cream flavours. Can I grab you all some samples? Do we want to try any flavours out today? There's a long list of classic flavours that I've noticed, (laughs) but they're not the classic classic. I'd imagine you're probably seeing like pear and blue cheese or the Arbequina olive oil up there. They they do sound a little bit more adventurous. I guess pear and blue cheese is like having a cheese board, right? But in ice cream form. Exactly. Yeah? Exactly. It's a lot sweeter than people anticipate. It's more about the uh, the pear, and then the blue cheese kind of savory funkiness comes up on the finish of the flavor. It's really cool. Okay, I'll give that a try. One scoop on a waffle cone? Sounds good to me. Thank you. Right. I'll try and find a good little bit of blue cheese for you. Oh my god. Believe it or not, it was the first flavor I ever tried, and then I applied for a job here. Here we go. Ooh! Wow. That's really good. Right? Pleasantly surprising. It's really delicious. I'm Faustina Rigoli, and this is Portland Unpacked. Portland is a city of micro farms, food trucks, and urban wineries, small scale experimental versions of grand ideas. Micro businesses absolutely flourish here because all of them are trying out something new and unexpected, like blue cheese flavored ice cream. And people here are up for it. Portland is the city where you can test out a wild idea and experiment with form. And today I get to reap the delicious benefits of that. I'm told I can find some of America's most interesting and exciting foodie experiences right here. Mom always kept pillowcases in the trunk of the car, like king-size pillowcases, and then knives inside of the glove box. We'd always pull over, and all the Greek ladies would get out, like, just in their spandex and bras and bandanas in their hair, and I'd sit in the car to, like, be on patrol to see if anybody's coming, and they would steal shit. They'd steal olives, they would steal greens. This is Stacey Givens. She's always been obsessed with food and the odd places it grows. She learned a lot from her mum. I really paid attention as a kid. When my mom was baking, when she was cooking, when she was stealing, foraging, planting things, nurturing plants. Stacy runs an urban micro farm in northeast Portland, Side Yard Farm. There's no stealing involved, but some of her mum's rebellious spirit can still be felt here. And get this, the farm isn't out in the country. It's here, in a neighbourhood close to the city. Stacy is from Sacramento, She first came to Portland about 15 years ago with her best friend Sally. It was a two-day trip and the city hooked them in straight away. We fell in love and we came back to SAC. We're like, let's put our notice in. We're going to Portland. We got here during the rainy season, which for California girls, that's amazing. We're like, yes, oh my God, we get to put a hoodie on. It was great, like trade in the flip-flops or some boots. We just, it felt so natural for us and we were so happy. That first week, all we did every day was find new restaurants to eat at. And we're like, oh my God, look at this place. And this bar, this is a fucking cool dive bar. What the fuck? And then we learned that that's all Portland is, dive bars everywhere and it's like the coolest place ever. We were like kids in a candy store, honestly. And we spent so much money to where we're like, shit, like we need to get a job. 
Stacey bumped around different restaurants in Portland. Eventually, she started cooking at a place called Noble Rot. They had a rooftop garden for growing their own ingredients. Over the months, she found herself spending less time in the kitchen and more time on the roof tending to the garden beds. It gave her an idea. Fuck it, I'm going to start my own farm. Of course, to farm, you need land, which Stacey didn't have. So one of the chefs she worked with made a suggestion. Uh, Mark told me about this neighbourhood. He's like, go to the Quarley neighbourhood in Northeast. Like, all these properties have, like, really small houses but huge plots of land. Like, just cruise around, really nice people too. Just, like, start knocking on people's doors and ask. I would, like, go door to door and say, hey, could I farm your side yard? I got so lucky. I only had a knock on three. And uh, the third one said yes. That's kind of how Side Yard Farm started, because it was literally a side yard. Soon, Stacy was selling her produce to a few of her chef friends. Experimentation was at the heart of it all. The idea behind Stacy's farm is whole plant philosophy. And when she says whole plant, she doesn't mean growing celery to use the leaves and the stalks. It's literally the whole plant. A good example is lovage, a pretty uncommon herb. It's one of Stacey's favourites. There's like five or six different things that we do with just this one plant. You could use the leaves to make pesto. We use them in pickling brines. This height that they are right now is perfect. They're about a foot, so the stems themselves are kind of hollow, so we'll cut them down as straws and use them for Bloody Marys because they taste like celery. And then we make lovid salts for the rim of the Bloody Mary. Next, you'll get fresh lovid seeds. And those are floral, they're sweet, they're almost like honey-like. We've done an ice cream with salt and straw in the past and candied them and put them in a coconut-based ice cream. And it was so fucking good. Pesto, pickling, straws, salt, candy. And that's the type of stuff that we sell to a lot of the restaurants um, here in Portland. I save every part of the plant. I experiment with so much stuff. I have so many jars of things. And it's like my little lab. It wasn't long before Stacy's whole food approach was taking off and she was starting to get recognition in Portland. Soon she needed more space. Word got out that she was looking for an acre and a family living in the Cully neighbourhood caught wind of it. They came to one of our brunches at our old property and they like offered me this land and I'm like, oh shit, I know what property you're talking about. I'm like, I'm so sorry, I, I can't. It's too much work. Like, there are weeds as tall as us. You couldn't even walk through it. But the couple persisted. Hey, come on, what if we cleared the land for you and took down the trees? We really love what you're doing. And we want it to be an urban farm. We actually took it away from developers and, like, outbid them. So please make it special. This couple was born and raised in Portland, and they felt strongly about the land going to farming rather than developers. They cleared the plot, bulldozed the whole thing, and made it ready for Stacy. They're just really giving just really generous couple, so uh, I'm very grateful for them. I spend Christmases sometimes with them and their family. They really are like my Portland parents, so I'm very grateful. And this is where I am now, on Stacy's farm where absolutely nothing goes to waste. It's a beautiful plot right in the middle of a neighbourhood street. Yeah, it's a full acre just right in the middle of a neighbourhood. So you'd be cruising down the street, house, 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 and then you're like what the fuck? Like, <laughs> a big red barn, you know, that's a red barn, like, really farmy, and then a huge high tunnel that's 50 feet by 20, um, then all these, like, perfect 50 foot by 3 foot rows uh, made out of cedar planks. What is this? Oh, turnips. Super Mario taught me. It seems like quite a scientific experiment, too. You've, totally. You've totally had to kind of, like, yeah. teach us. Did you, you just teach us? Oh, my gosh, yeah. This is, like, my, like, 
don't touch side yard use only shelf. It's all of like my dried out herbs and my peppers and pollens and dried woods for the smoker and pickled things. I feel like I've walked into a witch's pantry filled with mysterious jars of herbs and leaves. This is all we have left for this year, but we have to make some more. We're pulling it out, actually. But it's just shiso. It's an herb that's used a lot in Mm. Japan. I finally get to smell some dried lovage, the plant with six different uses. Stacey is obsessed with it. In fact, she keeps singing about it. Like, I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. Yeah, I'm obsessed with it. But it kind of smells like cardamom and celery had a baby. Can I? Um, oh, can I smell? Yeah, totally. The baby? The baby? This is my baby. Let me smell your love child. All these special ingredients Stacy created. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. Fresh. They're the secret behind many of Portland's best restaurants. The reason their food is so inventive and different. But Stacey doesn't give all her secrets away. Sideyard Farm has become known for their seat-to-table brunches. Held every Sunday morning, it's intimate dining, seating about 30 people, sitting at a long table running across Stacey's tiny farm. They sell out pretty fast. We have our tickets online. Uh, when you arrive, you'll walk up and head to the bar and get yourself a Bloody Mary, some coffee, mimosa, whatever you want. And people walk around the farm, they taste things and have their cocktail in their hand. And then I ring the dinner bell or the brunch bell up here, right above our heads, and uh, have everybody sit down. And everybody sits in like these long tables together. And there's already biscuits, wood-fired biscuits. And uh, for this brunch, we're doing a peach jam with lemon verbena and then our calendula butter with sea salt. And it's really beautiful. Yeah, cool. Talking to Stacey, I feel like I've got a much better grip on Portland's food culture. It comes down to a pride in local produce and a preference for environmentally conscious practices. And as always, collaboration. The, the village that you bring together, so if you do open a restaurant, you know that you could find that amazing person that is raising their own goats to get goat milk from, and that came from 20 miles away. So everything's really close by, and people are really conscious of that. And everything is organic. And the reason why this is possible is because Portland is a place where people can have an idea and then actually do the thing. In fact, Portland's considered one of the best cities in America to start and run a small business, which for me means everything's a little more interesting. And I think that's kind of where I say, like, dreams can come true. I mean, look, at I started this farm and I feel really grateful that I was able to do that. Stacey, on that note, thank you so much for the tour and sharing stories with us and everything. You're awesome. Lovely meeting you too. All the best with it, and hopefully, I can come back soon. Hell yeah, I hope so. Sideyard Farm shares produce with more than 30 restaurants and businesses around Portland. One of them is the Southeast Wine Collective, run by Kate Norris and Tom Monroe. Like Stacey, Kate and Tom aren't from here. But something just clicked for them when they had their first taste of Oregon about 10 years ago. Tom and I were living in the Bay Area, and there's a very famous restaurant in Berkeley called Chez Penis, which is the original farm-to-table restaurant on the West Coast. And um, it's this old craftsman house that has these Japanese touches to it. They do a prefix menu, and on Mondays, it's, it was $50 at the time, and it was way more than we could afford, but we were having a special occasion, and uh, we booked a table months and months in advance and sat down for dinner, and we could afford one bottle of wine. 
and we knew our price range. Um, and I remember the sommelier recommending a bottle of Oregon Pinot Noir, and I remember just being enchanted by it, completely enchanted. This beautiful, beautiful light garnet. It was a bottle of wine that was worth more than what you were paying for. And that moment, I think, is something I've always remembered. That moment where uh, sort of everything stops, you know, the moment stops and you can sort of hear a pin drop in your mind. Kate and Tom hadn't always planned on starting a winery in Oregon, especially not in the heart of Portland, but that's what they did. Southeast Wine Collective is an urban winery. Urban meaning we make wine right here in town. So for Kate's wine label, Division, the grapes are grown off-site, and then she brings them into her winery to turn them into wine in the city with her business partner, Tom. Uh, I should say that he's my ex-husband, but we still make wine and have these businesses together. In 2008, they were in Missouri. Tom was at business school and Kate was working in events management. When the GFC hit, she saw no future for herself in the industry, so she hit reset on her whole career and went back to her roots. I actually grew up in Europe, between London and Geneva, in this very small village in a region of France that's called the Auvergne. It's a wine-producing village. And so I grew up every single summer and every single vacation uh, going to this town and being surrounded by farms and by grapes and by wine. They packed their bags and moved to France to study the art of wine. The, it would be the start of something new for us. Kate and Tom spent two years in France learning the ropes. They'd been developing a business plan to start a winery together but they didn't know what wine region in America they wanted to settle in. They needed a sign. We tried that bottle of wine at uh, Chez Panisse. It was a bottle of wine made by a gentleman called Russ Rainey. And we called up Russ immediately after to come and visit him and to discover more about Oregon. And he was so welcoming. He let us stay at his house. He introduced us to a bunch of winemakers, to all these grape growers, to people I still work with today. After trying this unicorn bottle of wine, Portland was starting to feel like the right home for Kate and Tom's budding winery. And so we scoped out Portland, scoped out Oregon, we'd come back on these little trips to come and see it. And it just just seemed like the most perfect place to do what we wanted to do. Unlock that door. We're stepping inside what is now Southeast Wine Collective. So we're standing in the winery. It's uh, 5,000 square feet, which is absolutely tiny. It'll be pretty slippery in here too, and it'll just smell like fermentation. So that tingle of CO2, it's a little bit dangerous, but it means that tis the season. It's pretty amazing in here. Because of the time of the year, I can literally watch the grapes being turned into wine. But it took them a long time to find this spot when they were just starting out. Most places they looked at were too big for their small brand. We stood outside of this building and I was like, maybe we need to think about this differently. Maybe we need to have other people join us. Kate and Tom's urban winery works in a unique way. The operational cost of turning grapes into wine can be a barrier to entry for micro wine labels. But through the collective, 11 makers can have shared access to the equipment and space. This means that Southeast Wine Collective brings together an eclectic array of local drops, all of different varieties under one roof. You know, we bring in 22 different varieties of grapes, which is sort of unheard of for one single place. I mean, most people focus on three or four. 
Uh, and we bring in, last year, 169 tons of fruit through that door in under three months. Um, surrounded by barrels right now, but next week, all of these barrels will leave. Um, the fruit will start arriving ton by ton, and we'll do individual fermenters of each, handle by hand and feet with our hearts. On the other side of the big glass windows is the wine bar, We, where you can come in for a glass of wine and discover all these different local Portland drops. The food is top-notch too. They use a lot of Stacey's produce from Side Yard Farm. I never thought of Portland as a wine destination, but Oregon State has over 700 wineries, many of which are nestled in the Willamette Valley, which starts in the city of Portland and extends south along hundreds of kilometres of vineyards. This particular area is a world-class wine region, producing nearly 70% of the state's wine. Most of it is Pinot Noir, which thrives in the slightly cooler climate. So the wine scene is awesome. It's um, just over 50 years old, and which is really young, um, which provides the most beautiful infrastructure and sort of framework for discovery still, but also provides enough time for the wines to be established as good. So this is an amazing place to make wine. You know, you go out into the market and people know Oregon wines are good, which gives me the room to play, which is awesome. Kate is all about fostering the democratisation of winemaking, hence the collective. And she's noticing that wine culture is changing. It's less old man standing next to a castle on a hill surrounded by vines and more young, innovative and urban. Kate says that she can't imagine doing this anywhere else. The climate here is perfect. And it's not only the weather, it's not just the surroundings, it's the community, um, it's the climate of the people and how we interact with the space. And it creates a place for people to make and it creates uh, moments of authenticity. Quality is really important. Independence is really important. And that's always still the undercurrent that's going on in Portland. Um, that, that it will not be, be beaten down by um, corporate interest, you know? I think that people come here because you can get so much bang for your buck. There's so much to do, not only if you live here, but if you're coming to visit. There's a cadence to life that is all about taking your time. We have all the modern amenities, but the speed of an old European city. You know, People joke that Portland is the city where young people come to retire, but I don't think that's quite right. I think a lot of people here have just redefined what success looks like for them. It's less about optimising, scaling and dominating, and instead... A big part of success is about asking, what new ideas am I throwing into the ring? In so many ways, Portland fosters a culture of innovation and experimentation by encouraging people to try something new. Food cart culture is the perfect example of this. When unemployment rates were high after the GFC, food carts started popping up around the city. And out of this grew some of Portland's best restaurants. Today, they're the bedrock of Portland's foodie scene. You can't walk a block without spotting one. And yet, the one I'm looking for this afternoon, Trap Kitchen, is proving a little tricky to find. 
It's still a little bit of a secret, but it won't stay that way for long. Wasn't really seeking to be a chef. Like, you know, I just wanted to do it just to stay out of trouble, and it just ended up turning into being a full time career and passion for myself and my friend. This is Spank. He runs the Trap Kitchen food cart in a vacant lot in the Montevilla neighbourhood. People come here for a twist on southern food, like the lobster mac and cheese, which is surprisingly light and tangy. Spank starts telling me about how he met his business partner, nicknamed Bad News. Spank and Bad News grew up in LA, in rival gangs, the Bloods and the Crips, before coming together to cook. They started making Southern-inspired food out of their house, which quickly became a favourite with celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Justin Bieber and Kobe Bryant. When they decided to upgrade to a food truck, they knew they had to park it in Portland. So Portland is known for food carts and food cart pods, you know, so we set the bar high on flavours and tastes. And I just just took a liking to the city, you know, it's big on food, big on culture, big as far as the arts is concerned, you know, a lot of artists out here, whether it's music, fashion, um, tech, you know, everything was going on. It was like a different, it was a, uh, a breath of fresh air for me to come outside of Los Angeles and to find out that all these things were going on up here. Yeah, thank you so much. Oh, wow. It looks so beautiful. We're just doing positive things now. You know, food can bring enemies together to a table, too. Mm. You know, so... It's a great connector. Yeah, it's a great connector. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And that's my life. As the sun starts to set and it creeps closer to dinner time, the vacant lot starts to fill with hungry Portlanders queuing for lobster and fried catfish. ABS, abs, a big stomach. Finishing up my day in Portland, I'm feeling inspired about all that's possible here and all the creative, ambitious people bringing out the best in this place. I'm Faustina Rigoli, and this is Portland Unpacked. To find the address for Trap Kitchen so you don't get lost like I did, check out our show notes. Next time on Portland Unpacked, we unpack the streets of Portland. Pinball is when my brain shuts off and my reflexes turn on. Only focus on the here and now right in front of me, me versus the pinball machine. 